All right, am I, am I on there? Okay, I love that. My, um, my only memory of being in a Christmas play, I was about, I want to say, eight or nine years old. And uh, I was an angel. Oh, come on. Oh, okay. I was an angel in the Christmas play. I had no idea what was going on. And in the section, there was a section of angels, and we were supposed to step down from heaven from this platform. And I remember, you know, when you got a crowd looking at you, you forget etiquette. And when you're eight years old, you want to make a show. So I leaped as high as I could, my wings flapping and all, and I came crashing down. I didn't land correctly or anything, and I fell off the podium all the way down. And I loved it because everybody was, <gasps> and I went, attention. But you know, I didn't remember anything of the play. I didn't remember anything of the birth of Jesus. I think every child ought to be in a Christmas play to be able to experience and sing about the birth of Jesus, don't you? It is such a great thing. This was a simple setup so that we could focus on a simple Christmas. I'd like you to take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 1, and stand with me, and we will read just seven verses. Luke chapter 1, I said chapter 1, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, stand, we will read aloud together. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. All right, let's read together, starting at verse 1 down to verse 7, together. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And the taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray. Father. Bless what we're about to hear. Lord, I pray that you would work on hearts this morning and do what only a simple Christmas can do, change hearts. No money can, can make Christmas better than it was at the first. We just need to hear it over again. And we need it, Lord, to take root in our hearts that what happened 2019 years ago changed some of our lives and can change and save everyone's life in this room. So bless just these thoughts from this scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now, those verses aren't very complicated. They're, they're very simple. And countless numbers of Christmas plays have been constructed and created just on those seven verses. But I've watched in my Christian life, and it's not so long, that's 39 years, but I've watched Christmas become complicated overworked, especially at Christmas time. There's a lot of cooking that goes on during Christmas, gentlemen, amen. There are a lot of expensive and unnecessary gifts bought. 
There's a lot of planning that goes into all of the get-togethers and things, trying to take care of so many details just to try to keep everybody happy. And it's not that you shouldn't do many of those things. You know, it's nice to have special dinners. It's, there are things that I got growing up at Christmas that we only got at Christmas. And they made Christmas like one time a year, big time event. Um, <clears throat> but Christmas is supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be simple like it was 2019 years ago. By the way, that is the year of our calendar. You do know that it's based on the birth of a king. It doesn't matter that the first Christmas is out of step with our modern world. A lot of people say Christianity is irrelevant today. Well, I say amen. You know, Christmas is not what you see going on today outside. Christmas is simple. Christmas is much better when it's simple. Here in Luke chapter 1, go back to uh, in Luke, Luke, go back to chapter 1. Let me show you a couple of things <clears throat> that are just amazing about the first Christmas in its simplicity. Verses 5 and down. Chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we got Zechariah and we got Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because they bear, that Elizabeth was barren. And both were now well stricken in years. We'd say very old. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot... They had a rota there, and his, his slot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the temple, of the people, were praying without outside of the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name. You know what makes, you know, uh, tell me John, sorry. Uh, what, what, what makes Christmas great is the simplicity of surprises. Now Christmas is far too predictable today. When my kids were growing up, I have a daughter named Sharon who couldn't stand not knowing what she was getting. I think she got that from her mother. And so, I mean, I'm buying stuff, and Edith says, what'd you buy? I'm not telling. No, you got to tell me. I like surprises, but children usually get what they ask for. I like surprising them. Ha, 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 ha. I'm kind of fun that way. I think a lot of Christmases ought to be changed to where there are surprises on Christmas morning, not predictions. When people don't get what they want, aren't they upset? And that's a shame. Some people can't stand knowing what they got, so they go snooping around the house. Do you have any kids like that? Go looking for the presents that haven't been wrapped yet. But surprises are what Christmas is all about. Not expensive surprises, like a trip to Australia, but the miraculous ones, like answers to prayer. See, what the angel did was he went, surprise, Zachariah, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> a little while later, Mary's minding her own business, and the same angel appears and goes, Surprise, Mary, you're going to have a baby. A little while later, they appear to the shepherds and says, Surprise, there is a baby in one of your feeding troughs right now, and he's the Son of God. 
throughout the Christmas story, it is, hello, surprise. It was a shocker that all of this was happening right there in their midst. The greatest surprise of surprises was that baby in a manger. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations, worthy of being accepted by everybody, that Christ Jesus came to this world, surprise, to save sinners. See, we were growing up, I'm sure you grew up like I did, we thought heaven was only for good people. We thought that church was only for religious people. We thought that in order to be a Christian, you had to be nearly perfect. But Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. You know whom God loves? The whole world. You say, there's some wicked people in the world. Yeah, just like you. And just like me. Surprise! He loves us sinners. Christmas is supposed to be about surprises. Now, if your Christmas is ho-hum, if your kids don't get excited unless you spend $400,000 on them or euros on them, then you need to sit them down with a Christmas story and says, this is all you're getting. Jesus. You know, truth is, Christmas should be a big surprise to us all, reminding us that God hasn't forgotten us. Surprise. You say, where is God? How come God let me go through this? He did not forget you. Surprise. God knows all about you, and yet He still loves you. Surprise. Surprise. God actually wants you. You know, what can you get Jesus for, for His birthday? You. That's all He wants. And He'll take you as you are. He won't leave you as you are, but He wants you. Why not surprise somebody? Why don't you carry that through this Christmas? You've got a few more days to plan this. Why don't you plan some surprises? Surprise someone with just some kind words. Why don't you surprise them with some of your undivided attention, with some of your time that is so precious? Why don't you take your kids out for a walk or just go out and, and sit down and, and, and have a burger and fries together for an hour and all that stress and just stop and go, this is Christmas. Surprise, I just want to spend time with you. Because that's what makes Christmas special. It's not the money. It's the simple thing. Secondly, look at verse 18. Still in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. Zechariah said unto the angel, uh, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife, well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And you don't believe me? Look at verse 20. Behold, thou shalt be dumb. And there's many a man, many a man who's that way. Thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because... Thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in all their season. I want you to understand, a simple Christmas makes a great Christmas when it's full of faith. Um, just had a thought, and I don't want to lose it. We want miracles. We want God to step down and do something marvelous before we really get excited. Let me tell you, Zechariah is standing there. The angel says, your wife's going to be pregnant. You're going to have a son. He's going to be named John. He's going to be great. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And John goes, I'm sorry, Zechariah goes, now wait a minute. That's impossible. I'm an old guy. My wife's old too. I, 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 how, do I, how do I going to know this is true? And 
What he was waiting for was to be motivated. Let me tell you, God doesn't need to motivate you. He gave you a Bible that if you would believe it, then the miracles happen. See, we want things, we want Christmas to be so magical in order to make the kids happy. That's not how it works. It works when you start to just believe God. You see, my first Christmas, I use my example right now. I can use all kinds of you, but you might be embarrassed. But my first Christmas after getting saved was the best ever because I didn't need a thing. I didn't need a, a, any body. I didn't need, I had the gift of God, which is eternal life. I had a relationship with the Son of God. It was absolutely breathtaking. And it wasn't that Jesus appeared before me. It wasn't that God was, was giving me everything I wanted. It was the fact that when I believed that book, Something happened in my heart and all the weight was lifted and the mind was cleared and my life had purpose and I was clean and I was, I was loved and Christmas was real simply because I believed the gospel. Don't, don't try to make everybody happy. Let Jesus do it. Let the gospel that is spoken up sit down and read the gospel story and let the words Hold our hearts together and change them. Because the Bible pages aren't, aren't a story. We call it the Christmas story, but I hate calling it the Christmas story because it's not like Hansel and Gretel. It's not like the three little pigs. It is history. It is God's history. In a little town called Bethlehem, where God wrote that there would be the Messiah born there. You know, God wrote about it in Genesis 3, and Numbers 24, and Deuteronomy 18, and the book of Ruth, and, and Job, and various chapters, and half the book of Psalms, and Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Isaiah is filled with all the promises, and Jeremiah, and Micah, and Jonah, and Malachi. All of that are a shame to have been written, and so few people know it. Jesus said these very sad words. He said, when the Son of Man comes back to the earth, shall he find faith on the earth. You know where you get your faith from? Knowing the pages of that book, Old Testament included. You cannot appreciate the gospel. You cannot fall in love with the Son of God. You cannot know Jesus, the Son of God, without knowing the Old Testament. Because everything pointed to him. Important thing for us is to believe God in his book. Zacharias finally got it after he got his voice back when the, you know, the baby's born and he's there and he hadn't been able to speak for nine months, which probably made his wife very happy. But there he was, he began to shout and he said, all the promises are true. Don't be like uh, Thomas that has to put your hand in his side and your finger in his hand before you believe. Don't be like Zacharias who says, ah, oh, God, I need to see my wife pregnant before I believe you can do it. No, just believe because this is God's book. It's not man's story. One day you will believe this Bible, but it may be too late. Every person in hell is crying out, I believe! I believe you now! And it's too late. You got to believe now, folks. That book was written so you don't doubt anymore. You say, uh, I'm a skeptic. Good. So was, so was uh, Mary. So was uh, uh, Zechariah. They both were like, how are these things going to be? Both of them said, but Zechariah was a skeptic to a fault. He said, I will not believe. And that could have 
meant his ruin. Don't be like that. Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath miraculously raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You've got to believe. What are you struggling with? You can count on God's promises. No matter how hard it is to believe them, no matter how far away you may have gotten from God, God has made some promises to you, first of all, that he can save you. That's what his name means. Jesus means Jehovah saves. And he doesn't limit and say, I only save good people because there are no good people. Jehovah saves. He makes a promise he'll be with you always. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll never stop loving you, dear Christian. Even when he's chastening and correcting you, you think he don't love me anymore. And he loves you more than ever. He'll carry you through every valley and every heartache. He'll be your strength when you're weak. And when you die, he will personally come and take you home to be with him in heaven. That's the promises you can take all the way to heaven. We'll say a third thing, a simple Christmas becomes a great Christmas when it's full of family instead of things. I don't know if you noticed, but we don't have time to go through it all, but the Gospel of Luke and, Ma- and, and, and Matthew describe family. Christmas is not about being all alone, but about having family around you. No matter how messed up they are, say amen. amen. We will find loads of different kinds of families at that first Christmas. You find broken families. One of the purposes of John the Baptist are in Luke chapter 1, look at verse 15. This is the angel still talking to Zechariah and saying, He, John, shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel, watch this, shall he turn to the Lord their God, shall cause them to repent. Verse 17, he shall go before him, the Messiah, in the spirit and the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers, where? Back to the children and the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Those are, God wants to bring dads and kids and moms and children and husbands and wives back together again. Christmas has ruined more families than ever in the Western world because it's not like the simple Christmas of the first century. You know what breaks up most families today? Money and the lack of it. Money problems. The second thing that breaks up families is health. But the biggest problem that gets in between husband and wives and kids is the desire to make people happy with money. You know, if you put family above everything else, you'll have a great Christmas. Broken families all over the world, there are broken families with children and parents at odds. But that first Christmas started to heal all those broken homes. Unfulfilled families. Here's Zachariah and uh, Elizabeth here. They couldn't have children. No matter how hard they tried, they always felt incomplete without a child in their home. Yet that very first Christmas, when Jesus gets born, guess what Zachariah and Elizabeth are holding? Baby John. He's six months earlier than birth of Jesus, and that baby fulfills their home. He brought them together. You know what? You know what did that? Christmas did that for them. How about unprepared families? I mean, here's Mary and Joseph. They're preparing to get wedded, getting married, and then the angel says, you, get, you better get ready to get, have a baby. They were unprepared for Mary already being pregnant. That's Okay. You know, all shapes and sizes and problem families are what Christmas is all about. 
You know, I'm glad for husbands and wives, not partners. Sounds very Western, doesn't it? Meet my partner. No, no, no. God's into marriage, amen? These were husbands and wives and cousins and babies and new babies being born. I mean, if I was a kid and I'm reading the story, I'd go, that book is full of babies, amen? Because <laughs> Christmas is all about life. You know, all those crowded hotels and inns were filled with families. The story of Christmas is about family. Make sure you get together with as much as your family as possible. There are people maybe you haven't spoken to in years that maybe don't deserve one second of your time, but you go ahead and love them anyway. And you go ahead and call them, send them a card, invite them over for dinner. Let me tell you, family is important at Christmas. Another thing to think about this simple Christmas here in the Bible is it's spiritual. Did you, you don't find any drink anywhere in the pages, do you? They're not drinking. They're not dancing around the clock. There's no all night shopping. You remember 10 years ago when that was a big thing? You, you went to Dunn's at 4 a.m. in the morning. Remember that? The buzz out of all night shopping. There were no fights or arguments going on. Just a small family gathered around a newborn baby in absolute awe. And they had nothing. They had traveled, they were, on, they were not on holiday, they had had to travel to pay a tax. So they were unwelcomed there, they were unable to do anything that we might think is necessary to have a great Christmas. So all they had was something spiritual. Something that made it special, where, where what was going on was set apart from what everything that was going on in the world. The taxation, the economy, the politics of the day, Everything being then celebrated, enjoyed by the world was ignored by that little family there. And they had a better Christmas, don't you think? There were no presents, no trees, no batteries to buy, no Wi-Fi to worry about, no movies to pan through, and no food to prepare. Just a spirit from another world. Look there in verse 15. It says, and he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Go down to verse 35. The angel answered and said unto her, this is to Mary, verse 34, Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be? How am I going to get pregnant seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. No IVF treatments, um, uh, no special pills, nothing physical, spiritual here. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. See the word holy showing up in there over and over and over in the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 41. It came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary as they got to see each other, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 67, down just a few more verses there. And his father, Zacharias, he also was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he prophesied, and he got to preach. Chapter 2, verse 25, one more verse here. I want to do this one here. One more guy named Simeon. 2.25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Let me just tell you, Christmas 2019 in your home should be full of the Holy Spirit. 
with every one of God's people seeking to be filled, not with treasures and, and trinkets. Again, my illustration as a child, Christmas coming up, unsaved in a home where my dad wasn't interested in God. He was an atheist. We just we went to church twice a year, if, if that. And so the only thing I dreamed about one Christmas, I dreamed that I got so many gifts that I would have to pile them up to the ceiling and make a pathway to my room. I wanted that much. Now, you, some of you may have thought that too and wished that too. But that wasn't Christmas, and I never would have been happy, and you know that. Wouldn't it have been better for me to want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't it be better if your kids wanted to walk in the Holy Spirit instead of in the pressures of the world? Wouldn't it be good, all the influences? I saw a little meme come up and it says, how do, we, how, do we, how do we stop all of the stress and all the fear? How do we stop the fear? And then the next picture, the guy clicks off the TV news. <laughs> Why don't you open your Bible? Why don't you spend some time just... Praying for God to fill your home with the Spirit of God. Fill it with the joy of the Lord. I think He's got plenty to spare, amen? Your home to be full of the love of Jesus and thankfulness for every gift that God has given you. There's a little video a church put out. It was really cute. This guy wakes up and he has to rip off this wrapping around his face. And he says, I'm alive! <laughs> and he looked over at his wife and she's wrapped up and he says, I'm married! <laughs> I love you. And she says, I know. <laughs> and then the kids come in and they're all wrapped up in, in gift wrap. And they say, Dad, what's happening? He says, we have kids. <laughs> and then he gets up and he goes and he says, the electricity works. Look at this. And then he goes, <gasps> clean water. And he looks in the shower and he goes, I know what that is. And you hear him singing in the shower. And then he gets down at the table and he opens up this gift box and it's got breakfast there. And he's, oh, I got food. And the kids hand him a, a briefcase and he says, I got a job. Oh, wow. And somebody, uh, the little girl hands him a, a stocking and he puts his hand and says, keys, keys, what the keys for? I have a car. Wow. And he goes out there and he puts on his shoes and he goes, I got shoes. And he heads out the door and he goes to the car and his wife says, have a good day. And he goes, this is great. I'm so blessed. And you know, it just taught, it just speaks. Do we see things as a gift? Where we just... Step back and what I have to have or what God has already given me. We should be full of thankfulness for every gift God has already given you and me. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more toys. We don't need more things. We need more of God. Our nation needs God again. But it'll start with us. Simple Christmas is full of worship. If you haven't noticed, that little family soon became surrounded by two dozen shepherds crowding into that barn. Think about it. I'm sure Mary wants to be alone. She's just had a baby, amen? She's embarrassed in a barn. And all of a sudden, 24, we're guessing how many, two dozen smelly shepherds come crowding in. They're all standing around that baby. And then the townspeople from all over Bethlehem squeeze by and want to see the baby. And later, Mary and Joseph, they finally get a house. And then three wise guys knock at the door, bearing gifts. You know what they were trying to do? Worship Jesus. Matthew 2 says this, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star and are come to worship Mary. No. Come to worship him. 
And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. And they worshipped him. That's when they opened their treasures. And they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's what Christmas should be about, the worship of Jesus. Worship is where we stop what we're doing and drop to our knees and lift our hands in absolute worship of the King of Kings who came for us. Thanking Him for life and breath and family and jobs and food and health. Praising Him for loving us and most of all for saving us from our sin. Simple Christmas, lastly, verse 15, I want to go back to this thought. Is great when in its simplicity of change. Look at verse 15, says this, still speaking of John, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, change their whole attention, change their lives. Verse 17, he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts. You know how hard it is to turn a stubborn, broken, messed up, dark heart back home and yet can't God do it to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient back to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people for the Lord a Christmas Christmas was designed to turn hearts unto God to free them turn mothers back into soft loving examples of Christ's love for sinners turn men back into Faithful men who love their families, who love uh, righteousness, who love God, and who lead their families as examples of Christ. Christmas can do that if we'll let it. It'll turn a heart into a forgiving powerhouse instead of a bitter graveyard. It'll make anger die instead of making your enemy die. And it makes every sacrifice. You know, Christmas is all about God giving up stuff for us, and it'll make us sacrifice for others. Simple Christmas changes everyone and everything. Go to chapter 2, and we're finished. Chapter 2, and verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to how many people? Thank God, thank God, thank God. Circle that word all. For unto you, not just everybody, but to you individually, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a soul changer, a soul Savior, which is Christ the Lord. No wonder the angels broke out and says, Hallelujah, because the greatest change agent ever, the greatest power ever, more powerful than creative force that created this universe, could save a soul like mine. To have a great Christmas, you don't need fancy, expensive, stressed out days. You know what you need to do? You need to work at having a simple Christmas. I know not everyone wants a simple kind of Christmas. Just go ahead and keep spending yourself into oblivion and create more spoiled brats than you know what to do with. If you keep trying to outdo everyone else in your, uh, uh, in, at work or at and your family with new Christmas jumpers and fancier dinners and bigger presents, you go right ahead. But for those of us who love the first Christmas, explore and enjoy God's surprises. This Christmas, God may surprise you with somebody coming home who hasn't called in a long time. God may surprise you with somebody telling you love them when 
that they love you when they haven't spoken to you in years. God may surprise you with you starting to cry and weep over somebody you've hated for years and years. Enjoy God's surprises at Christmas because they are there. Be full of faith. Just start trusting the words of Scripture, starting with salvation. And I believe that that Savior is now mine. I just believe it. Get around your family. Get along with them. Amen. Get around your family. And get around with the Christian family. I'm glad you're here today, but I'll see where you are on, on Wednesday morning. Get around God's family. No matter how flawed or messed up they are. Keep things spiritual. Less and less materialistic. Seek to be full of the same Holy Spirit that filled John the Baptist, that filled Zacharias, that filled Mary, that filled all of those people in the first century. That's what I want. Be full of worship. As we come to Christmas, let a Christmas carol stop you and go, Lord, you are worthy. I love you. I want to love you like a child again. I just want to... I just want to worship you like a little child again because you're worthy. And allow God to change you. Make you. Listen, Christmas ought to make you a better man or woman than you ever were before. Because it starts us over. It brings us back to that time where God humbled himself. We can humble ourselves too. No money can buy that kind of Christmas that was there at the first century. Father, we just come now before you asking that our homes, as hard as it will be, that our homes would be brought back into line with the first century. I do not want, and, and there's nothing wrong with gifts and fun and the family and the, the tree and the cooking, but that's not Christmas. What is Christmas is what I can hold in my heart, what I can gather around me, what I can believe, what I can look for with the surprises what I can enjoy even when I have nothing. So Lord, this Christmas, make it special in all of our homes, please, for our children's sake and our grandchildren. Lord, because I don't know how much more time we've got before everything's ruined, soiled. But this first Christmas never can be, so I want our family, our Christmas to be like it, please. I pray in this room, God, there'd be somebody who would realize they're not saved. They've never been born again. And there's a knock on their heart every time I make the invitation. And they need to answer that knock. And they need to trust that Jesus Christ died for them, came for them, lived and died. And all they got to do is believe that it was for them and receive him into their heart. Call upon the Lord right now, dear friend. Ask him to save you. It makes, man, it makes the biggest change possible. You'll never be good enough. You'll never pray enough. You'll never be able to do enough compared to what Jesus did for you. Would you ask him to save you? He will, because he loves you. Lord, we just pray that we would love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.